Hello and welcome to Undercommon Taste. This is a podcast where we create and discuss homebrew content for tabletop RPGs. Fear is the mind killer. Fear, I will let the fear pass over me and through me, and when it's gone, only I shall remain. <laughs> I'm Ian Woodworth. I'm joined by my co-host James Daly. Welcome to the first episode of 2023. Yes, I'm shaking off the cobwebs. I blanked for a moment, like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> I see lights and everything. <laughs> Why are they staring at me? <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We have a special guest with us tonight. We have one Sam Lee, solo RPG creator and author of the, is it any nominated or any winning? Any nominated, yeah. Any nominated Mm -hmm. solo RPG anamnesis. Sam, welcome. Yes, welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm delighted to be here. So let's go ahead and start off, if you would, please, for our listeners, introduce yourself and your work a little bit. Sure. As Ian said, I'm Sam Lee. I use she, they pronouns, and I design TTRPGs under Blinking Birch Games. So my games can be found at blinkingbirchgames.itch.io. And other than writing TTRPGs, I do some like commission design work. I also make playlists for people's RPGs, Ooh. and I do TikTok videos about different indie RPGs. And awesome. so I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Goblin Mixtape. Fun, fun. Excellent. So the questions we normally ask with part of our introductions is, one, your preferred playing class, and what would your actual class be? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Are we talking traditionally D&D classes here, usually? or That's generally what most people go with, but okay. if you want to pull from a different system, go for it. Feel free. Oh, wow. Uh, what... <laughs> <laughs> I know what my playing class would be, but what my... I think my playing class is Warlock. Okay. And my actual class is probably wizard. Okay, no, I get yep, that. Because I am nice, nice. very, I do not think I would have innate magic at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have to be through the book. It would be through through study. No, I, yep, I love that. Yep, yep. I love that. Yes, no, that is that is totally a thing. I, I'm mm-hmm. right there with that. And I understand that play style of, I want the power now. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just going to make a deal to get the power now uh-huh. and worry yeah. about the consequences later. Yeah. <laughs> consequences. If you're strong enough, you don't have consequences. Yeah, obviously. Right. right? If, if Magnus Clearly. has taught us anything, it's this. <laughs> as long as the consequences can't catch up to you, That's they right. don't exist. Yeah. Right? It's, it's yeah. Only right. hubris if you're punished for it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just self confidence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we invited you on to talk about solo RPGs. Great. So let's go ahead and start off with the baseline question of what is a solo RPG and how is that different than just playing a regular TTRPG by yourself? Sure. So, I mean, solo RPGs kind of in the name, it's specifically designed to be a game that is a single player game designed to play yourself. So you don't need a whole other group for it and you don't need a GM too. So I've gotten a question a couple of times like, does solo mean that it's one GM and one player? Typically solo means that it's just the player and it's just yourself and that's all you need. And it's specifically designed for that. So the big difference there is that, you know, there are some games that you can kind of modify or tweak to play by yourself, but a solo RPG is specifically designed for that. I love that. And 
I am so glad this has become more of a thing. I do a lot of online gaming, a lot of video gaming. I always said I played video games, so I didn't have to play with people. So like <laughs> when like Facebook Farmville became a thing, oh I just resented it because now I have to have friends to ask for more energy. Even something <laughs> like, wow, I have a hard time playing in with groups if we're not doing like a specific dungeon where I need people like, hey, let's pair up and do quests. And I'm like, mm -hmm. um... No, I'm over here. Thanks. Bye. I play games to avoid people. So, you know, if I would have known about this in tabletop gaming, I would have been a total recluse. Yeah. <laughs> More I, <so> than normal. <laughs> I never play massive multiplayer games. They're just not for me, for sure. I mean, even with playing, I enjoy playing video games with people sometimes, right. but I usually can't for an extended period. <laughs> I get that, yeah. Yeah. My problem is I don't like player versus player games. Same here. Actually, and yep. I have trouble finding people who match my pace mm. in PVE games. Yeah. yeah. Because I tend to go very quickly. Right. I want to sit there and like read the lore in every book. I'm mm -hmm. one of those weird mm -hmm. people. I played WoW for the lore. I mean, the game was good, but I wanted to know the depth of the story they built. So I'm like, yes, I love this. And this goes back to Warcraft <laughs> 2 and this connects to Warcraft 3. And oh, here, here's something for me. I'm like... You know, oh, this is something they actually kind of, I could see where they stole from StarCraft from this one or Diablo. And so I'm like, dude, just pick the flower. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I do have the achievement for reading all of the books. And I did actually wow. read all of the in-game books that That's, are on that That achievement. is an achievement. Yeah. Because yeah. there, there's like 50, 60 titles on that. Oh, my no, gosh. Yeah. I haven't played WoW, but. Now, I, granted, that... that's, you know, that's like three, four pages per book. But okay. Still, okay. Yeah. You have to find them all and read them all. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. So. But yeah, no. Anyway, this concept of the solo RPG, I think that's really cool. I think it's definitely something that had a spark with COVID, and again, we couldn't quite get yeah. together, and not everyone had quite figured out the whole virtual tabletop situation yet, mm -hmm. which again has a lot going for it. It can be a little wonky still, but yeah, if you just have that Jones for a game or you kind of want to work out something or just work out some kinks before you bring it to a group. These solo RPGs are a great way to kind of test the waters before you jump in both feet, especially if you're not sure about a new game or how things are going to go. Yeah. Like if you've played once or twice, maybe, and now you're going to be joining a new group and you're not sure and you kind of want to refine a character, a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. There's so much variety of solo games. So many of them have been published in the last couple of years. You can find stuff for, you know, character creation, map making, like all sorts of stuff to either help you as a character or as a GM. Yes. So what is your design process whenever you're coming up with a new solo game? And how do you decide what is or isn't a good idea for a solo game? <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> that distinguisher is difficult sometimes. Um, yeah. But... I think that mostly my design process has been like some designers think of like a mechanic and then they design around a mechanic. I'm much more of a have a concept, like a type of story that I want to tell, a type of tone that I'm going for, a type of theme that I want to explore. And then I try to develop mechanics that revolve around that. So usually when I'm first designing something, it stems from that original idea. And then for me, when I'm doing mechanical design, that like early stages of design, it's always pen and paper, like writing stuff down, just spitting everything on the page, like even stuff that doesn't sound like it's a good idea. And then later on, I kind of take the bits that I like, and then I kind of expand on those. I think as far as solo games go, I personally, I try to keep them 
pretty simple in terms of the actual mechanics because you know you can have complex solo games for sure but if you're like one person who's sitting down to play this game then at least for me personally i wouldn't want to spend like a whole hour reading through a rule book before i can start playing but i also personally just enjoy rules light games as a whole so maybe that's just me but i try to keep mechanics pretty simple and i try to also make sure that there's not a ton of materials that are needed so usually only like one or two physical materials before you can get started. So anything that kind of balloons outside of that, I try to kind of modify so that it's restrained to just, you know, more simple mechanics, fewer materials. But I also try to focus on stuff that kind of allows a player to creatively explore the space that they're in rather than telling a player what's going on. Because I think with solo games, they can be very personal and they can allow for a lot of exploration and you can go in a lot of different directions. And I like to allow people to really kind of branch off of that and kind of take the work in whatever direction they want to take it. No, I love that. And it's kind of that whole open world concept versus, you know, being railroaded. So I, I really mm -hmm. like that, especially with your prompts and stuff that you've developed with some of your games. And it just it's like, OK, I really want to dive into these and you've left it so open. It, it could literally go any direction. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it was very intentional. I wanted to make something that was both like setting and genre agnostic, okay. which is not always easy to do, <laughs> right. but kind of once you're in the space of it, of like, oh, you know, what can you put in here? What can you put in here? Then it, it gets a little easier. But yeah, so I'm glad you felt that way. <laughs> yeah, because I was telling you before we got started, I just recently finally played through Anamnesis. And when I started flipping cards and started getting my prompts, I had an idea of where I wanted the story to go. And then the cards decided otherwise. No, you're doing yeah. and, and so and the story yeah. went in a direction that I was not expecting it to go. Mm -hmm. And if I were just writing it just to write it, it wouldn't have gone. And so I really did enjoy that experience. It was oh, it was you. very interesting. That's another cool thing, I think, about solo games is that especially these solo journaling games, because so, yes. not not every solo game is a solo journaling game, but there are a lot of solo journaling games yeah. and Anamnesis falls into that category. But with those, it really is a lot of them can also kind of be considered as like just writing exercises. You know, whether you would classify Anamnesis as a game or a writing exercise doesn't really matter to me. I think you could make arguments <laughs> for either. You really could. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of these games can provide a tool to help you like write about things that you might not always write about or to expand the right outside of your comfort zone to kind of take things in to help you consider new ideas. I get that too. And even if you're on the fence, like, do I want to try a solo RPG? You know, I like my group. I like having my friends and, mm -hmm. and pizza night and all that. The thing with the journaling solo RPGs, that translates so incredibly well to group play because i mean there's always someone burning some extra time in group where you could just jot down some notes and even mm. in group play that player that takes notes so they can remember stuff on what the hell's going on so you don't forget <laughs> that at mcguffin you got two weeks ago bless them yeah <laughs> bless exactly <the> <laughs> that's everybody says bless that person be that person be that player and this is a way to learn that skill and kind of develop it and again at home on your own time away from the table so you bring it to the table and you like 
oh my God, it's D&D God, you know, and people start bowing down to that person and bringing gifts, you know, it's like, here, have my firstborn child and a fried chicken and, and what's your favorite drink because you remember stuff for us, you know, it's that being able to journal just carries so well mm -hmm. and solo RPGing is a great way to cut your teeth with that. Yeah, I think that also, as far as like journaling games go, that even if you're not a big fan of writing, to not let that shy you away from a journaling game, because a lot of journaling games, while traditionally they are like written responses, you can really do anything you want with them. So for me, I'm not always in the mood to write prose, but you might make audio recordings instead, oh. or you might just do like a bullet journal, or you could even just think through the responses. You don't even have to write right. anything down. You can just invent the story in your head. So the fact that it is journaling, it doesn't have to be physical writing. It can just right. be any sort of way that you want to get your thoughts out. And some texts explain that. Some texts talk about writing. Some of them kind of talk about different options that you could use for journaling. Some games like The Wretched by Chris Bissett actually talk about your, it's kind of designed for you to make an audio recording instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of different stuff. So I would say that if you're not sure about journaling, it might be kind of broader than you think it is. Okay. I'm going to slightly skip on one question here a little forward. I'm not going to cover it completely. But as you said, a lot of these games, they can be games or they can be writing prompts. And so mm -hmm. again, if you yourself are trying to become a budding or starting writer, or if you've got a child or a friend that's trying to do that, pushing them in these games so they can write. And then if they go back and look at this journal they've kept at the end of the game, they have a very healthy skeleton and outline of a short story that they can go and use that as a starting point. And that really lets them kind of build that. And now they have a story fleshed out and it'd be a lot easier to fill in versus trying to create something out of whole cloth too. So mm -hmm. again, likewise, as you said, if you are trying to stretch your writing skills, or if you have just a really terrible case of writer's block, you know, doing a game like this is a great way to kind of stretch through that. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, especially with the writer's block. There's games in all sorts of genres, so you can definitely <laughs> find something that like oh, yeah. really interests you. So just like be self-indulgent about it, you know, find a game in a genre that you love and just dive into it and have fun with it. And don't oh, yeah. try to necessarily produce good writing, but it can really help with the block for sure. Yeah, because sometimes you just need volume. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes is just get everything out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is the hardest thing for me to learn as an artist of anything, because you want to make that good piece or you want to make uh -huh. that good item. And sometimes you've got to make a lot of really crappy items to learn mm -hmm. where your mistakes are and how to refine that. And even my last class, my art studio class, this was brought up as a reading assignment things. And it really brings home that, you know, quantity has a quality all of its own. And it's that you have yeah. to make those crap pieces sometimes. People talk about that in writing all the time. And it's very true for game design too. You know, a few people have, I think mostly because of TikTok and I cover all these different games on TikTok. And some people have asked me like, hey, like, what is your advice for like an aspiring game designer? And it truly is just right, which is the advice that everybody gives <laughs> when you're like, how do I write? And it's just like, just try and put pen on paper. And there's some other stuff too with it, you know, like try to probably best to try to start with something small, start with something that you're personally really passionate about. Like, don't make it perfect. But honestly, just like getting something down and not caring too much whether it's a good game or not is like the best advice that I would give people. Because it really is the same case. You're going to make a bunch of games and some of them are not going to be fun. But hopefully they're still fun to write and you just learn from them. 
Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. do, doing something poorly is the first step to doing something kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And that is such totally a hard agree. truth. Hard, hard truth. <laughs> because doing something poorly means that you have done it, which means you're yes. one step ahead of someone who hasn't done anything. Yes. Exactly. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a difficult concept <laughs> to actually accept. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. As someone who had a lot of early success, especially in school, mm. I fall into that a lot of, I can't do this very well right off the bat and I get frustrated and give up on it. So yeah, it takes a lot of wherewithal to just tell myself, yes, this is trash. This is hot garbage. Yep. But I learning has happened. <laughs> yes. I feel that. <laughs> and the next yep. one will be better. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so diving back again, kind of pulling us back along the rails because, you know, sure. again, it's I am chaos, you know, it's just how my brain works. <laughs> With a solo RPG, again, when you're sitting at a group at a table, a session can be two, three, four, six, eight hours long. Mm -hmm. How long should a session like a one-off or something like that on a solo RPG take? I mean, I know mm -hmm. when you're writing, it's as much as you write and as much as you do. But how long do you think each act or piece of one of these games that you've created, how long should it take? I think that's a lot of personal preference. Okay. Um, I know that for me, I feel like... As far as my games go, they're mostly designed to, usually you can break them up. So okay. like Anamnesis has its different acts, right. Six Figures Under has its different like mini games. So you can just play like one act or one mini game if you just want something that's a little shorter. But in total, I think that, I mean, you could write a lot for Anamnesis if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're writing kind of more brief things, probably maybe around three hours, I would say, okay. for the whole thing. But for me personally, like if I pick up a solo game, usually like three hours is probably the maximum amount of time for me, right. unless I like and going into it knowing that it's going to be like a longer thing. You hit that's that, something like, that's, you hit that groove. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I know most people are like three hours of writing, they're having like college or, or high school flashbacks. You, <laughs> the three hours is not constant writing it is thought yeah. it is revision it is that but like if you were going to go through hey i'm going to play this game i'm going to set aside a time block to introduce myself to this game mm -hmm. you know yeah so three hours or or less depending on so yeah that that's not too bad yeah usually i actually prefer even like shorter chunks especially if i'm doing writing if i'm doing yeah. if i decide to actually journal for a game usually my like attention on it lasts <laughs> about like an hour an hour and a half right okay yeah and that's so normal. Yeah, I, I like prefer to break it up. But there are some games that I think if it, it's a shorter game and I just kind of would rather play it in one sitting, then yeah, maybe like around three hours, okay. I would say. But I think that that can vary a lot for sure. Awesome. Uh, from your perspective, from a design perspective, mm -hmm. what aspects of designing a solo RPG are different from a traditional TTRPG? And what aspects do you feel carry through fairly well between the two? I think that they can be very different from each other. Um, <laughs> because if I'm writing a game for a group, which I've written a couple of them for groups, and I'm working on others, but there's a element to group gameplay where when you're designing the game, at least for me, it's really important to consider player dynamics, like the group dynamics. So earlier, Ian, you mentioned that like you're not a huge fan of PvP games. Right. Um, and like, I kind of feel that way about RPGs too. 
But I also feel that way about accidentally creating a more PvP environment in a game. So, you know, having things in a game that might make the players themselves bicker instead of the characters. And, you know, different groups are going to have different dynamics and you can't design for every single group. Your game isn't going to be for everyone. But the group dynamics is something I think about a lot. And, you know, how are the mechanics going to impact the feelings of the whole group and the feelings that the players have about each other? So that is something that I really keep in mind with group games, but with a solo game, you don't have to think about that at all. <laughs> that is not a problem in solo yeah, games. Yeah, you don't have to deal with people. It's magic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so with a solo game, it is like this is fully dedicated to one person. And that one person could be anybody, right? But all of the attention is on the one player. I think also with solo games, you can get really personal with them if you want to. And you can do that with group games too. Like group games can get really personal and they oh, can yeah. get really emotional, but not all groups are like that. And sometimes there's things that you want to explore that you don't want to explore with a group, right? Or sometimes, you know, there's a particular thing that like particular genre that you like that the rest of your group doesn't like. And so you can find a solo RPG in that genre and just enjoy that for yourself. So I think that with designing solo games, you can kind of write them in a way where you are aware that this person is playing it by themselves. And so you can kind of encourage that really like deep dive into, you can open the doors for them if they want to step through it into exploring things that they might not want to explore with a full group. Um, like so that. yeah, that's kind of the big difference for me. You're saying that I'm thinking, you know, I'm larger, I'm a little burly looking. And so what was that? There was a Netflix show. I'm trying to think what Burlington, where it's all like Victorian tea party. So yeah, I'm going to just roll a, oh, I'm roll a solo <laughs> RPG of a Victorian tea party just to be completely out of my comfort zone and see what happens. And that's one of those things it. you can do. It's yeah. not something I would normally probably do with a group of people or my thing because <laughs> it would come off really awkward and weird. But you know what? I'm by myself. I'm going to stretch my wings a little bit, do yeah. a little flap flap. And see how I do. <laughs> it's great. It's like, it is a way that you can just kind of, it's funny because like in group games, it's not uncommon for people to put a lot of themselves into their character, right? And right. that is something that some people do unintentionally, that's something that some people do intentionally, but it is something that I think is a little bit easier to do sometimes in a solo game. Yeah. So, or can be done with even more intention or done without a worry that the rest of the group dynamics might not be like conducive to what Very you're trying to explore. Free. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, um, I totally get that. Yeah. I think that as far as like what is kind of similar between group and solo games, I mean, in both games, you are kind of designing this is kind of more vague. <laughs> but <laughs> in my opinion, like in a in making an RPG, you're making an experience for someone to go through. So yeah. like whether that is a solo experience, whether that is a group experience, you're still kind of creating something that in the end, you want the person who is experiencing it to feel something. And whether that's yeah. something is like introspection, whether that's something is just fun, <laughs> you know, it's kind of usually you're designing it in order to elicit something um, from, from somebody. And I think that's really variable for both group and solo games of what that might be, but they're always kind of designed with that in mind. And I would say that a lot of journaling games, there's not a lot in them mechanically that translates a lot to group games, but 
there's a lot of other solo RPGs that are not journaling games that are more like sword and sorcery sort of things. Uh, right. Admittedly, I haven't played a lot of them, so I can't <laughs> really speak to them well. But things like, I hope this is the right name, Iron Sworn, I believe, is like a really big solo game that lends a little bit more to the style of group games, okay. um, but for a solo experience. So there's stuff like that out there too, and that's yeah. a little bit more similar. Okay. So if you had somebody who was interested in getting into solo games, mm-hmm. what games, aside from yours, we're going to talk about yours here in a minute, but what, <laughs> what other games would you recommend someone to start with? Just, um, just to sort of figure out what flavor they like. Yeah, I think that one that is talked about a lot that I think deserves to be, and I think it's a cool starting point, is The Wretched by Chris Bissett, which I mentioned briefly earlier. But this is also a journaling game. It's like a sci-fi horror game. Yeah, right? And it creates suspense through a Jenga tower, uh, through a tumbling block tower. So as you roll dice and draw cards and like reflect on different prompts and make these different recordings, your spaceship or your space station, I think it's a ship, is like gradually falling apart. Um, And the tower represents the integrity of your ship. So if the tower falls, your character dies. And so you're trying to either get the ship back in working order or to like hail another ship before either your tower falls or the creature that's been running around the outside of your ship gets in and ends you. That so it's, it's really that. good. It, it was a big inspiration for Anonesis. Totally, they're very different. <laughs> but <laughs> in The Wretched, the different suits of cards are divided into different topics. And it's different than how Anamnesis does it, but there's a lot of similarities to it. And I took some inspiration for that for writing Anamnesis. But the cool thing about The Wretched is that it has this SRD, this system reference document that describes the rules of the game, that describes the mechanics and encourages people to create other games using the SRD. So these games are called Wretched and Alone games. And so basically people use this SRD to create their own Wretched and Alone games that use the system of The Wretched, but take it in totally different stories and there are now hundreds of that sounds amazing i have got and i picked it up last year it's the alien rpg books and i'm really wanting to play this and i have not been able to get a group you know scheduled together to sit down and play this Mm -hmm. this wretched especially with the whole jenga tower thing going on top of it sounds like a perfect mesh to do a solo alien rpg yes with that oh my god that could be a lot of fun it's pretty cool it's really fun that might be a rabbit trail i have to chase (laughs) (laughs) the the cool thing about it is that if you try the wretched or you try one of the other wretched and alone rpgs and you really really like it there are literally hundreds of rpgs that use the same or I should say at least very similar mechanics. If you okay. like Wretched and Alone, there are hundreds. So, And you can kind of find one in any flavor that you want it in. Nice. So that's a great place to start. I always have to recommend the first solo game I ever played, which is The Portal at Hill House by Travis Hill and Lindy Ferris Hill. And this is a game of cosmic horror. Ooh. Might be sensing a trend. <laughs> <laughs> and it is basically about making your way through a house or another building and you're trying to find these like three items that you have to use to close a portal before it's too late and in this game you draw cards to see like what 
feeling the ro each room evokes and like what weird features Ooh. are in each room. And then you journal about like going through each room. And it's really, it's very hard to describe the like feelings that I got from playing that game, <laughs> but it was like eerie, but in this like, I don't even know. It was really good though. <laughs> I had not felt like writing. I hadn't done much writing in a while, but I really wanted to play this game. And as soon as I started playing it, it was great. It was like, you know, every the writing was just flowing out. So I loved that game. And so I definitely, and that was my first solo game. So I, I recommend it as a first one as well. I know I jokingly mentioned the Victorian Tea Party thing. I think it probably really could be done. And then I suddenly remembered there was a Facebook post. I can't remember if it was last year or year before where it talked about Mary Shelley, where she lived with Lord Byron while she was writing Frankenstein. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, if you look at that, that would be a solo RPG. And it was like roll a 1d6 and you had like certain things brought infamy or renown or Lord Byron yeah. just going mad over something. And really, that is a bare bones solo RPG. When you think I'm like, oh, wait, that's what that is. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen these before. <laughs> Speaking about Frankenstein, I might somebody will have to fact check me on this but um there's i think it's a solo game there is a game that somebody i think it's armanda published recently called the creature and it's very much like frankenstein inspired yes. there's literally there's stuff out there for everything I love it. <laughs> one that i see mentioned a lot that i haven't had a chance to look at is thousand year old vampire mm, yeah i do have it on my shelf but I have not played it yet. <laughs> but I hear it talked about all the time, and I've only heard glowing things about it. So, yeah. And I love vampire media, and so I think I'd have a blast with it. But yeah, it's definitely on my two playlist for sure. I think for, again, kind of reaching out to, you know, our traditional gamers, our video gamers, if you really enjoy, and they're, they're becoming popular now too, but like the little indie solo roguelike games, these yes. solo RPGs very much have these roguelike feels. They're simple. They're easy to run. They don't take too long to actually produce. And then each time you play it, it's going to be vastly different because so many different things can change. So it's not the same game over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I haven't played it yet, but Spencer Campbell just released Rune or is in the process of releasing Rune. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's very Souls-inspired. Um, oh. So that might be one to look into for Prepare sure. to die a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Draw a card and you die. Draw another card and you die again. <laughs> you die twice. <laughs> Roll a couple dice. That's how many times you die. die. <laughs> it becomes sort of a Darkest Dungeon sort of thing. It's like, <laughs> fail better next time. Exactly. I love Darkest Dungeon too. And again, that's a great little roguelike. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. All right. So your game Anamnesis uses a tarot deck yes. as the method for randomization of your prompts. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to go with tarot instead of a more traditional randomizer like dice? Yeah, I when I first had the idea for Anamnesis, I didn't immediately know that I was going to use tarot. I knew that I wanted to limit it down to one material. So like you need the game, you need one other thing. So whether that was playing cards, whether that was dice, I wanted it to be simple in that matter. Yeah. And then tarot occurred to me because tarot cards can just tell a story in and of themselves. You know, there's all sorts of just beautifully designed cards and every single card in a tarot deck tends to evoke a different feeling when you draw it. 
and it seemed very thematically appropriate for a game that was about like remembering your past and it's almost like this reverse divination, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what happened, what used to happen. Right. And so I wanted to create prompts that were open-ended where you could really kind of explore them in a lot of different ways. And I realized that tarot kind of allowed the opportunity to get inspiration from a card. So rather than just drawing a card. In Anamnesis, there are cards that are just drawn for prompts, but then you also draw on the major arcana to get more of like the feeling behind that prompt and like inspiration and how to write on that prompt. So having the major arcana and using that basically allowed for kind of in what you're talking about, like exploring things in maybe a slightly different direction or to just get additional inspiration wherein like if you read a prompt you might have a first instinct or maybe you're not really positive what direction to take it in and by drawing a major arcana card you can be inspired in maybe a totally different direction right. and so yeah. and also the game is about learning about your past but it's also about identity and like how to move forward as well. So it was by kind of drawing these cards and, and especially drawing the major arcana, which are like describing more about how you're feeling about things and like what specifically was happening, um, rather than keeping the prompts completely open-ended by having that like also additional limitation of like, this is the major arcana card that mm -hmm. guides you. It kind of has to do with like, well, this is your past. This isn't rewritten, right? This is what happened. But then kind of that changes towards the end of the game. And so that was like a theme that I wanted to explore through it. I like it. Thanks. No, I really, really do like that. And I'm kind of thinking like my brain wants to turn the game and then to like at the end of the game, there's actually like a tarot reading for the player out there too, kind of a thing, which would be oh, a that really would be really Yeah. That would be very cool. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> interesting, actually. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hmm. We do ideas here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there is currently, I'm currently hosting a game jam for Anamnesis, uh, yeah. actually, the Anamnesis jam. So somebody wants to write it. <laughs> now, see, uh, now, that, now there's another know? project to, to tackle. <laughs> now, more <laughs> <out of> show, <laughs> that's a really cool idea. Stepping back a little bit, there's something that's really important in RPGs that is discussed more and more is safety in RPGs. Yes. And so Absolutely. like Anamnesis is a game that, I don't know that I know anybody who's played it in a more lighthearted manner, <laughs> but like it technically could be if you wanted to, but it's possible to play it on more like a surface level basis, but it's possible to like dive in a lot deeper with it. And so having like a post game tarot reading for the player themselves is such yeah. a cool idea. Like just like a <laughs> reflection on it and like a way to like process what you've just well, played. Especially how you said a lot of people and it, it's a natural thing, put themselves into their characters. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. Some of those cards, you know, will leak out too. So yeah, that's again, just a thought. But mm -hmm. that does lead me to another question we had, as you know, again, talking about, you know, one, being mindful of the topics you cover. And again, these games can be used as a form of self-care. And journaling is a very well-known form of self-care, you know, trying to process things, work things out, remember things, try to get things settled in your own mind, dealing, coping. Do you think this is a prompt? I mean, there are things like play therapy and things like that, where this could actually be a tool of self-care for people. I think so. I really 
subscribe to the idea that RPGs can be used for like teaching and for processing. (laughs) And I think that I absolutely think that solo games in general can really be used to process things. Honestly, one of the coolest things that has come out of Anamnesis is that I have like read some comments and a couple of people have messaged me about putting more of themselves in their character and going through some like exploring pieces of themselves through Anamnesis, which is like it's like that's the best feeling I think I've had as a game designer, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and so people have used it for that before. And that wasn't its intended purpose when I first wrote it. But like seeing that that is what people have gotten from it is just incredible. And so yeah, I think RPGs are a great route of doing that. And especially solo RPGs, where you have this judgment free zone, and you can kind of explore what you want to in unique ways. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's take a little bit of a shift to something a little more lighthearted. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> the, the other game that you mentioned, Six Figures Under, which, oh, this was which has okay. one of one of the <laughs> best subtitles. Thank you. Uh, or you went through 10 years of necromancy school and they never taught you how to market yourself. <laughs> I felt that so hard. <laughs> I felt that subtitle so hard. Yeah. It is a lighter game. It has a lot mm. of camp to it. Yes. Um, yeah. It has a very Dresden Files meets Dr. Frankenstein sort of feel <laughs> really to it. Does. That is um, incredible. <laughs> That's quite an analogy. I love that. Um, so which game did you feel was an easier project or did you feel one game was an easier project than the other? And sure. about and about how long did it take you to get from concept to product for these two games? I think that overall Six Figures Under was an easier project because I guess mostly <laughs> the, the like the big reason why is because I cared more about anamnesis being good. <laughs> like Six Figures Under was a lot of fun. It was very much a fun game for me to write. I actually wrote it immediately after writing anamnesis. Like it was the next thing that I wrote. And it was just like a way to just be silly and <laughs> to just, you know, like it was just fun. I think mechanically speaking, Anamnesis is simpler only because Six Figures Under is a series of micro games, a series of very short games, and each of those short games is slightly different from each other. So, you know, you could make the argument that overall Six Figures Under has more mechanics than Anamnesis does because the mechanics of Anamnesis are extraordinarily simple. Um, And Anamnesis didn't actually if I'm remembering correctly, it didn't take me a really long amount of time to figure out the mechanics, but it took me a while to write all of the prompts because there's a prompt for every minor arcana card. And so figuring <laughs> out those prompts and refining them and like writing extra ones and then ditching the ones I didn't like, right? Like it took a lot of time. And so I would say six figures under, even though it has like I think it's six different games (laughs) in it. Um, Even though it's six different games, it was easier to write because it was just kind of more of like a a fun little project. 
in kind of like a fun tone too. Like yeah. the, um, very and then, tongue in cheek. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so what you're um, saying is, is your catharsis after anamnesis? <laughs> probably. I don't know that I realized that at the time, but looking back, it very well might have been. <laughs> but I also, as far as the amount of time that it took, so Six Figures Under was um, submitted as part of a game jam. So I wrote it as part of the, I think it's Spring from the Graves jam that Keegan EXE held. Um, and this was basically a necromancy themed jam. Okay. Um, and I, 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 necromancy? Great. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I, I got to write something you. for this. Um, and so that's kind of what came from it. So I really, I would say I wrote it in a, in a month, but the, reality is like I work a full-time job right and I kind of design around things so like it probably took me less than 20 hours maybe from like start to finish but I'm not 100% sure <laughs> uh, but that'd be my guess and anamnesis took longer because even though I, I wrote the rough draft of anamnesis in about a month but I spent a lot more time on it than I did with six figures under within that month and then after that I put a team together. So I I basically did a round of itch funding of crowdfunding through uh, the website itch.io. And I was able to hire Mark Shepard to do the editing. Thomas Manuel did the layout and Victor Winter did all of the art. So after making the draft and having like the draft available, I worked with all three of them who were fantastic. And so working with them took time and then releasing the final product. And then we did the Kickstarter to bring it to print. And then there was the fulfillment of the Kickstarter. So if you really talk about like the whole thing, it was like a year. But that year was also filled of like, you know, there were some gaps in time. There's a lot of learning that I was doing because it was the first time that I ever worked with collaborators and the first time that I brought something to print. So and the first time that I crowdfunded. So it was like a whole thing. <laughs> learning <laughs> um, has happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like the best judgment of how long some take, um, but the actual like sit down rough draft writing, getting the rough draft down took me about a month for both games. But the refinement of it took longer. And I can sympathize with you talking about the <laughs> prompts for anamnesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working on something. I wanted to make sure I had a rough draft before I joined the anamnesis jam to, so to, have, oh. an, to have an idea that, <laughs> that I could actually have a product to finish before the jam was done. Yeah, yeah. So I've been working on one called Forever Home. Okay. Which is an adventure into the misadventures of homeownership. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. And I had just hit a wall where I'm like, <laughs> I can't. I just, I can't. And then the prompts just stop. They yeah, just stop. They do. You get they like... really do. And James was over today. We were working out some planning stuff for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I've been working on this thing. And he's like, no, we're going to sit down. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to knock these out. <laughs> And so, yeah, we were able to knock out, finish out my rough drafts worth of prompt Whoa, today. So, yeah, it's, so yeah, that's that's going to hopefully be so, a thing. So, that's so exciting. Yeah, Ian and I work so like cool. this. My mind is like one of those like bag of fuzzy things. And so I just mm -hmm. take it and I dump it on the table. And Ian's like, 
oh, that's a good one. I do yeah. have, I think Victor, who did the art for Anamnesis, came up with a couple of the prompts. So I got a little line in there at the end about that, <laughs> um, for sure. It really does help to brainstorm with other people. I know that for Anamnesis, yeah. when I, it's like when your pipes freeze and your water runs out, right? Yeah. Like the ideas are flowing and they're flowing and they're flowing. And then suddenly it starts just trickling down and then it's done. <laughs> and you're like, oh no. <laughs> done right <laughs> out of gas. What do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> Something that helped me with anamnesis was because each act of anamnesis takes place in like a slightly different setting or like focuses on a particular thing. So I actually kind of put myself in those settings. So one of the acts is about walking around town. So I walked around town and that like actually helped me figure out a lot of different prompts. So kind of like trying to get into the zone of like those spaces definitely helped. Yeah. So this whole game concept <laughs> came around because during the the spring and summer and into the fall, mm -hmm. I do a booth at one of the local farmer's markets. My parents have a dairy. I sell cheese at the farmer's market. Nice, <laughs> and okay. so it was a cold day. It was a yeah. cold, wet day. It was miserable. I'd just gotten home and I'm like, I just want to sit down, turn on my little heater, my little electric uh -huh. heater that I have on oh, the floor no. and just thaw out. Uh huh. And so I turn it on and it goes, whirr, whirr, whirr. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, I know where and this is going. Uh-oh. <laughs> And then I smell it. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I then spend the next six hours rewiring the outlet that it was plugged into because it burned off the contacts. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and I had to do it because my daughter's room is on the same circuit and all of the outlets in her room were dead. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the joke I was making was I wanted to stay warm for an afternoon and my house uh -huh. wanted me to stay warm for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> we were just trying to help. <laughs> and that was the inspiration that got me into on this one. Yeah. So that is, and, I cannot. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> that and, sounds and, so cool. What an idea. And it starts off very innocuous, like a very minor inconveniences. Uh-huh. And then each act escalates. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. To so where much. at the end it's almost Thunderdome. It's either the house. Oh my god. It's either the house or you. One of you is gonna be standing at the end. <laughs> um, I cannot wait. That sounds so good. <laughs> Speaking of ideas and stories, again, I loved Six Figures Under. I've got this soft, squishy spot in my heart for necromancy. It might be a little necrotic. Yes. <laughs> we won't let the doctors look at it. It'll be fine. But I totally would love to see something with like some different skill sets, like maybe like a bard or a ranger trying to do like house sitting, animal sitting, maybe working for like along the line of a zoo, or maybe like a cleric trying to find like priest jobs and throughout the community trying to do this. And I was wondering oh if there'd be any like idea or hope for that coming out maybe with this. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I have never <laughs> thought about that before. That's an awesome idea. <laughs> I love that idea. Like taking kind of different traditional fantasy archetypes yeah. and being like, okay, now you're working like a nine to five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And like, what are you doing? <laughs> that sounds delightful. Uh, I, like, I can't say that I currently have plans to write that, but if anybody out there like wants to hack six figures <laughs> under for it, they have my blessing. Like that awesome. sounds so much fun. It sounds to me, James, like you need to write up something and let me edit it for you. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> that list is growing, isn't it? <laughs> I. It would be fun to have a warlock one. Yes. It would be. Yeah. Oh. I don't yeah. even know what those would look like. Mm. Like, how is your Patreon just like? I have it. Just interfere. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, pattern it like the Bachelor. You're oh. you're shopping for a patron. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, patron, what is your favorite time of year? Yes. 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 Patron, <laughs> tell me your best first date. There is a game. There is a game. It's not a solo game, but there is a game called Dating Dot Sim, an RPG by Possible World Games, who did Beak Feather and Bone. I play tested this. It's incredible. It's literally that. It's literally a dating show. You have like it's like a four or five person game, and one person plays the I don't know the terms, right? Bachelor, bachelorette, whoever right, is like yeah, picking, yeah. right? And then you have like the contestants, and then the person playing the one who's choosing like asks the questions, and then every player like answers in their like characters, you know what the characters' answers are, and then whoever gets chosen, it like swaps for there's two parts, so okay. it like swaps in the second part where then that player who their character is chosen, that player then like essentially acts out this date with the person and presents these scenarios that then the three (laughs) other players have to like suggest things for the date to do during these scenarios. And you like pick your favorite. I think we have a Friday project, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe just. I'm I'm seeing a blend between Greek and Norse and Fey Pantheons. Oh my gosh, yeah. We gotta throw the Egyptians in there too. We can throw the Egyptians in there too. Probably just the major ones for the Egyptians that people are, are familiar with. And then like, that could be a thing. And then yeah, the second half with prompts is like stuff that goes on with the date. So like, you know, if Eris is one of these things and now she's pissed and so she's just throwing roadblocks because you didn't pick her because, you know, <laughs> as she does. <laughs> yeah. Golden apples I everywhere. love that. I would play that in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our prepared questions. James, do you have any other questions? No, I've I've got mine out. (laughs) All right. So one of the things that we love to do with our guests when we have them on is a segment we call the Monster Mashup, where we roll some dice on our random table and we create a monster on the fly. So if you are a game and you have your dice ready. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get started with a D4 roll for locomotion. Okay. That is a two. A two. We got another runner, James. It runs. A runner. Okay. Okay. Uh oh. Maybe. Uh oh. Next is a D6 for what does it eat? Okay. Does it eat? Ooh. Uh oh. Now, this is where the fact that it runs matters. That's a three. A three. Insects slash vermin. Okay. This one pops up quite frequently. Yeah. But not too Interesting. bad. Interesting. I mean, you got to catch that dragonfly. You know, it's a, yeah. they, they can be sneaky. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, the other thing, too, is vermin is a very loose term. And so vermin, it depends on who you are, where you are type thing. So. And sure. it also depends on this next roll, which is also a D6 Uh-oh. for size. Oh, another D6, you said? Yes. Okay. That... Is a six. It's gargantuan. Uh oh. 
Uh oh, oh, it's gargantuan and it runs. That's yes. good. That's impeding um, herd of elephants. All right, so now, it. so now we have the Titans from Attack on Titan. Uh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and the humans are the vermin. Uh oh, that's no good. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Uh, <laughs> Next is a D8 roll for okay. social organization. Oh, okay. Please roll low. <laughs> it's a seven. <laughs> Herd, 26 to 100 individuals. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, we have, we're, we're looking at something very similar to the zombies on Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one is going to inform a great deal. A D10 roll for native environment. Okay, D10. That's a 10. A 10. Underground. Oh, oh. Oh, oh my. That, that, I was thinking something along like a Jurassic Park type theme, and that shifts it. So yeah. Now, how, now we have like dune sandworms. Sandworms? Oh. We have Underdark? A herd of dune sandworms. Oh, my. <laughs> That's good. Interesting. Oh, it wouldn't quite be. I'm uh, thinking, like, instead of like a single sandworm, sandworm chariots. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. What if it's the head of like some sort of underwater or uh, underground gorgon? And instead of snakes, Whoa. each is like a sandworm head. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that is. M- it, that... They're individuals there, but they are part of a larger collective whole. That's that must be massive. <laughs> the size of that and gorgon. Or even, even if maybe as a whole they are gargantuan and each mm. one are a little smaller, but they act as like um, almost like a uh, a fungal colony or something like that. Perhaps. Oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe. What if it's like? Oh, go ahead. Maybe it's if we're talking in D and D terms. Maybe it's like a gargantuan swarm of huge okay. creatures. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing, like, if they're underground, like, that's got to be causing some damage, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Earthquakes just tearing up. Yes. Entire villages just disappear into sinkholes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What's an ecological disaster amongst friends? (laughs) How do you defend against, like, an under... I don't know. Like, you gotta... (laughs) That's what the wizard's for. Moats, maybe? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Really deep moats? We did that with... One of our was it the Arctic Tunneler? Arctic, the, oh. the Tundra Behemoth. Yes, where it was a thing, and so people were digging moats to try it. it no, dug an actual it, moat. it left tunnels. It left moats, yeah, and they were trying yeah. to use them for the oh. and other things like that. So some people were trying to steal the young, which rarely ends well. So yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so again, underground. All right. Next is a D twelve okay. or method of defense. Okay. You know, aside from, you know, giant earthquake. Yeah, aside, right. aside from being just massive. <laughs> yeah. Aside from being able to squash literally anything. <laughs> Oop, that's a six. A six. It has horns. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, what if, like... What... How literal are we dealing with underground? Does underground mean subterranean, perhaps? What if these are, like, horned devils? Yeah. Okay. Oh, like, more of, like, a Hades situation. Yeah. Interesting. That like a Belrog be. or something like that, you know? Yeah. That's a, a horde of gargantuan creatures coming yeah. forth from the gates of Hades. That is terrifying. That's a, little bit. a horrifying idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
this next roll is going to either make or break a whole lot of stuff. Okay. Um, it's another D12 roll. Okay. For creature type. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's an 11. An 11. It's a plant. Venus <laughs> <laughs> flytraps. Oh. Oh, oh, what are you, what was your thought? I was, only, I was leaning back towards like more fungal colonies, but oh. carnivorous plants would also work very, very well. I do Ex- like the idea of like a carnivorous fungal colony, though. I mean, terrifying. It's a terrifying idea. Yeah. But like, because running, right? Like a yeah. we, like something that spreads that fast. Horrifying. We had something like this in our episode 100, and we ended up going with running as in putting out runners. Yes. Like it was a oh. vine. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. And again, so we could that, revisit that. We could definitely switch back to, like I said, some sort of under dark underground carnivorous plant mm-hmm. that, you know, again, it can't photosynthesize. So now it is eating. And again, there are the ankegs, there's the formians. Again, vermin can cover a large swath of things. Plus, there are very large insects that this thing could trap and eat for its nutrition and resources. Mm. And it also makes a whole lot of sense now that it is gargantuan. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a plant. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. It could be like kudzu. It just grows. <laughs> These horns could be straight instead of horns. They could actually be thorns. Oh, I like yeah. that. I really and like they that. Have yeah. Either a mind, I mean, depending, they could even be slightly envenomated as well, or they could just straight be piercing damage. No, oh, with a tendril that's spiked to kind of crush and constrict and trap. Yeah, I can. I can almost see doing like thorned vines that okay. the thorns themselves are hollow. Okay. And this this is going to get kind of gruesome, but what it does is it. That, I'm is here it, for it. It catches something big and it punches mm-hmm. a bunch of holes in them and it sucks mm. them dry like a straw. Okay. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> and then for defense, it, slap, it could do that or like a porcupine where it can slap and it just leaves a bunch of these oh, tubes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because even if you bleed out on its soil, it's going to absorb some of that anyway. Mm, you're right. Yeah. Oh, the that's good too. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. It's almost like maybe there's like a really large root system, right? Yeah. So, and it just like sucks in all yeah. of the nutrients from the blood. Mm-hmm. I could see this thing migrating and moving towards where there were previous battles because the nutrient, the ground's going to be oh richer with nutrients. Yeah. Or cemeteries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cemeteries. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, another fact about myself the summer after I graduated high school, one of the scholarships that I got required me to work through the summer cleaning old family cemeteries. Oh, and there were a couple that we were fighting off encroaching kudzu oh. to clean out these cemeteries. And Whoa. so that sort of vibe, I can definitely see that oh, okay. with this monster. Oh, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kudzu is terrible to try and get rid of, though. It yeah. clogs everything. Mm-hmm. It's very fibrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it grows like a foot a day in the summertime. Oh, thank God. You can can sit and watch it grow. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm going to, I'm just going to be going down a whole (laughs) YouTube thread after this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it's scary stuff. I can feel it. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So now we need a D20 roll for quirks. Ooh, that's a fun one. All right. I've got a very, like, the largest D20. Oh, nice. Oh, that is too big. Hang on. <laughs> That's a 10. A 10. Sentient. 
capable of understanding language and higher cognitive functions. Amazing. Horrifying. It. This thing is going to take over the world. It's oh, fine. I can make this thing absolutely horrifying. So Please. when it attacks or like latches onto a creature and starts like pulling in its blood, it picks up its memories and its essence from that. And so like mm. it, it can communicate with the thing as it's eating it. And that's how it knows where to go, where more bodies are going to be or where more conflict is going to be. So it can guide its movements towards that direction. That is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> this nightmare fuel. Uh, wow. I can make it worse. Please. Okay. I can make it worse. <laughs> it uses its prey as puppets to lure in more humanoids for prey. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. perfect. This See, this is, is a... again, I'm bringing up the, the morally flexible. This is where the evil alignment comes out just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that is extremely good. This is truly a monster that is gonna take over the world if somebody doesn't stop it. That is the size of this thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, what if it is trying to push toward like it is an underground plant and it, it has captured and killed enough that it knows there is surface life and it is mm-hmm. trying to push towards the surface. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes okay. sense. Like if something gets if a surface creature gets buried over time, right? right. And then it like absorbs the nutrients from that creature, right. maybe it can also it would know that. And again, if we're talking something like the Underdark, then, you know, it's not uncommon for there to be surface raids and things like that. And so sure. if it can pick out the memories and knowledge of the things it's eaten, even if for mm-hmm. a short time, mm-hmm. it's going to know that up is a thing and there are much more things up than out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the more we talk about this, the more I am seeing that this thing is the result of some wizards experimenting. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Some it wizard is. decided he was going to modify this plant to grow up the side of his wizard tower to keep people mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And it just got away. <laughs> so there was a halfling play called Little Shop of Horrors, and he thought it was a wonderful idea. Didn't, uh, yeah. didn't stay through the re- it got pulled away for something after yes. the first few scenes I was like wow that's <laughs> right. a cool plant yeah that's a great idea and then like, like one of those he forgot he left the potions on so he had to like go and turn everything down and he missed the rest of the play <laughs> right <laughs> okay so oh, wow now we make it weird <laughs> okay okay so now i need a d100 roll please Ooh, ooh. all right where's my there we go okay Oh, <laughs> drop things all over the place. That is going to be a 46. 46. Oh, we've had this one before. Bite, really? bite causes agony on top of normal That's damage. It just gets worse. It just keeps getting worse. <laughs> That's the big because you're screaming. So obviously you want to rescue your friends, right? Because they are in obvious oh, pain. Oh, no. It uses that too. Like yeah, it knows yes. that its bites cause pain. So it like it's. And, and that and that was the initial intended. Yeah. Feature. I was going to say this thing is smart. It's envenomated. So it's going to go and it is going to actually use its thorns on particularly sensitive areas that aren't lethal to cause pain intentionally. Yeah, because it's, it's sentient. Malicious. So it's going to be able to recognize that armored opponents are going to have soft spots. Yes. Mm, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can, oh. I can definitely see that. 
This is probably one of the most vicious things we've created. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm horrified. I love it so much. <laughs> also, like as it kind of gets more prey of like a specific species of animal, it's going to learn what the weaknesses yeah, are exactly. of that species, yeah. right? Just through like obtaining the information about the creature right. through like absorbing the nutrients and everything. And then it just knows exactly where to strike next yeah. time. Yeah, pleasant. And now the more I think about it, I think that the wizard was probably one of the first victims, and that's why it's sentient. Yeah, I could see that. Oh. Because it absorbed his memories and because it was a sentient creature. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Do we think that it has like a little bit of the wizard still in it? Like as in as in like, is it the wizard's consciousness because in this it was plant? The first or... consciousness, so it's the base. Yeah. Mm. Or is it that like it's all of these, all of the victims are kind of mixed in there? I can see all of the victims in there. Again, if we're talking Underdark, Underdark is not normally a happy, cheery place. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it is fairly combative, especially when you deal with the drow. The drow are not normally pleasant people. So it is going to be very opportunistic. That said, maybe it just outright enjoys causing pain, too. And again, maybe it's either resentful for its creation or maybe the wizard himself was an evil wizard and just got undid by his own doings. But that base evil alignment is still running a heavy thread through. I could see that. Anyway, we have one more weirdness. So, James, okay. I'm going to let you use your new rubber ducky dice to give me another yeah, D100 rubber roll. duckies of doom. These are awesome. So I've got <laughs> my percentile here and then I have a straight. Is that my? Yeah, that one's my D10. Oof. So I got to show these off because they're awesome. But if, if they come through. Yeah, if they come through. Oh, wait. Yeah, almost. Anyway, there's rubber duckies in the dice. They make me happy. Amazing. Ten. <laughs> okay. Ten. Collects teeth for its nest construction. Stop. <laughs> oh, I... my God. Oh, and this is why we fear the dark boys and girls. Oh, my. So, you know how you can get that? I can't that... even imagine how big that nest is. Well, I'm thinking, you know how you get the pearl gravel for some of your plants so that the soil can aerate? It's using teeth okay. and probably other bone chips as it crushes them up to create its own pearl gravel to keep its soil air. It's sentient. It knows what it needs. And so, too, if you're going to bleed on that, it's going to soak through that faster versus caking in soil. So, yeah, um, I could also see it trying to use this to pack a root ball so it could actually make it come up and transport eventually versus just its oh runners and spreading out. It can actually potentially at some point, if it gets enough bone to hold a root ball together, uproot itself and move a distance before transplanting and, and replanting itself. I'm seeing this more as like a spider plant where it has the little clusters that grow on the end and okay. that, that eventually sprout off to make another plant. Okay, that works too. Oh. Yeah, mm -hmm. but even still, yeah, mm -hmm. you'd use those teeth again as an anchor point or to, to modify its own soil. But, oh, I just scraped myself out. No, <laughs> no, no. Oh my God. So it's doing like the whole hentai thing, but instead it's like forcing itself in the mouth and then just literally ripping out teeth. Oh, horrible. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And we oh, went there, ladies God. and gentlemen. <laughs> and we went there. Okay. Uh, I, wow. blame, I blame James for all of this because it was his role too. Uh, Terrifying. Oh. Horrifying. This is ni absolute nightmare fuel. It I love is. this. I love, I love we, it. We weren't monetized to begin with, and we're sure not going to be now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 
at this point, I think we can do a recap of what we got oh. um, for this nightmare fuel. It runs. We interpreted this as it puts out runners. It feeds on insects slash vermin. It is gargantuan in size. It has a herd organization of 26 to 100 individuals. It is underground as its native environment. It has horns, which we have reinterpreted as thorns. Mm-hmm. It is a plant creature type. It is sentient. Its bite causes agony on top of additional damage, and it collects teeth. Mm. Yeah. So uh... <laughs> the only question we have left is what are we going to call it? Uh, Armageddon, probably. <laughs> the prickly pear. <laughs> the prickly pear. Uh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Jeez, oh, yeah. Um, see, we, we can't call it something like Bloodthorn because there already is a D&D right. thing called Bloodthorn. Mm, that is mm-hmm. far too benign for this thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was probably the base plant that the uh, wizard was experimenting with. I can see that. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. And then Assassin Vine's too easy. I'm thinking Assassin Vine is also already a D&D model. Right. But really? I'm thinking along that line, maybe like a Brute uh, Vine or hmm. You are the Brute Squad. Exactly. I am the Dread Planter Roberts. <laughs> I, there will be no escape. There will Let be no survivors. <laughs> oh. Yeah, can Peter. we just name it the Dread Planet Roberts? Maybe it had a name. <laughs> maybe it had a name. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the wizard's name was. Who says that the wizard's name wasn't Roberts, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll kill you tomorrow, Wesley. Oh. No, no. I see that brain working. No. Do not. <laughs> Do not continue that thought. What if it could exert some sort of control via its agony and with any kind of telepathic link as it drives? So it has a selected sentient humanoid victim that it keeps as long as it's fresh to communicate with. Oh, oh. Mm, that again, <laughs> again, this, every single thing that we say about this thing <laughs> makes it 10 times worse. Yeah, <laughs> it just keeps, so going. No it just keeps going. Um, I demand tribute. <laughs> I almost want its name to reflect its intended purpose. Okay. Oh, because it, oh, because it was, this wizard was working on it to try and make it like a guardian for his tower. It is a natural guardian sort of thing. And he just did either a really good or a really bad job at it. I like we, the idea that he named it something really innocuous, like the go away vine. <laughs> you know, yeah. like something like the thorn familiar. The thorn familiar. I like that actually, because the idea of it like puppeting things, yeah. it's. And then, you yeah. know, it's like, again, coming, tipping off the whole, you know, little shop of horrors, you know, why does the mm-hmm. familiar have to be an animal? So he was trying to make a sentient plant familiar. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, a wizard is able to have that telepathic link to their familiar. Yeah. Which does that mean that this thing also has telepathy? I would say it has telepathy with whatever it has a blood link to. Telepathy by contact. Yeah. Mm, this thing is huge. It, yeah. It's gargantuan. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's massive. And so the herd acts as a hive mind. Well, because they're all children, they would have the memories absorbed by the parent. 
Right. And if the children's are created by runners, as long as there's some re- runners attached to the rest of the herd, then they are all going to share thought. Yes. God forgive us for what we've created. <laughs> you know, it's times like these that I'm glad I do not live in a fantasy world. <laughs> fine on Earth. That's good for me. I'm good here. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and stop us now before we make this any more horrific. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Kimiko in chat says it sounds like a plant-based bot fly. So James, congratulations, you have your bot <laughs> yes. flies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Though it doesn't invade and then burst forth from. So. <laughs> uh. All right. So another thing that we like to ask of our guests is to give a shout out to someone else in the TTRPG community. It can be... Yes, please cleanse the space. Yes. <laughs> it, can, it can be another game designer. It can be a podcaster, map maker, music maker, just somebody who is at least tangentially connected to the TTRPG sphere. Perfect. Who would you like yes. to give a shout out to tonight? I would love to give a shout out to Caden Ramstack who he's like the best person to mention, especially on this stream, because I don't know a single person who has played more solo games <laughs> than Caden <laughs> Ramstack. Uh, and he's written a bunch of solo games. His games are at k-ramstack.itch.io. He's done this thing for the past couple of years called Solovember, where he plays a solo game every day in November. Ooh. And I will never achieve that level of dedication <laughs> that Caden Ramstack has achieved with Solovember. It's amazing. And he tweets about the games, you know, like short threads and advertises them. And like just in general does really awesome work in the community and his games rule. He also created the first hack of Anamnesis, which is about like learning that you're a changeling, Ooh, um, which is which I played and was just incredible. But they've also got solo map making games and other stuff too and so i think he deserves more attention and he's just like an awesome person in the space so yeah kaden ramstack it's fantastic excellent and we will be putting all of those links in our show notes so if you want to check that out they will be in the show notes awesome Bring excuse me i was wondering if we were going to get through without a tourette's twitch oh, almost we almost made almost it. <laughs> well we, we have gone a little bit long so yeah Last but not least, Sam, I want to give you the floor so that you can plug yourself. Where can we find you on socials? Where can we go to throw money at you? (laughs) The floor is yours. Sure. So I can be found pretty much most everywhere at Goblin Mixtape. That's kind of the handle that I tend to use. So I do a lot of RPG videos on TikTok where I feature different games or like might talk about different bundles going on. And I am pretty active on Twitter also at Goblin Mixtape. And then you can find my games at blinkingbirchgames.itch.io. And I also have a newsletter now, which is a new thing on Substack. But I think actually the best place to just for all of the links in general is I have a card. So it's samlee.card.co and kind of everything, everything goes from there. But yeah, I've got some exciting stuff coming up. One of my goals in like 2023 is to focus a little bit more on designing my own games. (laughs) 
<laughs> because really, I did a lot of stuff that I'm really happy about in 2022. And I really like had an amazing time in the RPG community in 2022. But I didn't really focus on my own design much. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do moving into 2023. And I've got some stuff that I'm I can't wait to share with people. So yeah, thank you awesome. for the space you. and for inviting yeah. me here. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thank you so very much. And we will also be putting links to all of your stuff in the show notes so that people right. can find that there. Thank you. I appreciate it. So again, thank you, Sam, so very much for joining us tonight for Undercommon Taste. It has been an absolute blast. We have loved yes. chatting Same. with you. This has been great. <laughs> I, I've loved this is great energy. <laughs> so I'm very happy to be here. Thank yeah. you so much for inviting me. I do need to figure out some sort of penance for what we just created, though. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> I know. Going to feel I'm like, bad about this. <laughs> I, I, we've just whatever world that thing was in, we've we've destroyed it. We have yeah. marked yes, it for death. Yeah. Um, sorry, everyone. That's just there's no way. <laughs> we're, we're, just, we're just gonna have to go and kill Oopsies. it with fire. Kill it with yes. fire. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it has, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and just throw that out now. It, it is vulnerable to fire. We are going to give Thank the God. citizens of that yeah. realm at least that. <laughs> you burn it and then you salt the earth. And that mm. is probably radiant damage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's, that is how we do it. We're going to give it the Carthage treatment. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very Roman. Yeah. <laughs> very, very Roman. Um. So thank you, everybody who joined us in chat tonight. Thank you for listening and watching tonight. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email, undercommontaste at gmail.com, or uh, you can send it to us as a direct message through our Twitter account at UCT Homebrew, or however long the flaming husk of Twitter (laughs) remains. Um, It's really... It just varies every day. Every day. It really, it really does. does. It really does. <laughs> yeah. We are also on TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon at Undercommon Taste. Uh, we're at Undercommon Taste at Dice.Camp on Mastodon. If you want to follow us on other social media, we finally have our own website in progress. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. It should be going live fairly soon. Uh, so We'll be able to just say go to undercommontaste.com and avoid <laughs> all of We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash undercommontaste. That's where we put all of our write-ups. That's where the Thorn Familiar is going to be once I get that written up. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yes. And we're working on figuring out some additional patron stuff we are in the process of restructuring because I have not been contributing to the Patreon <laughs> very much lately. We also have an itch store under commentaste.itch.io. We have one game on there right now, Beneath the Lake, which is a liminal horror adventure. Liminal horror is such a cool system. Yes. Yeah, we, we had we had yeah. Goblin Archives on here a couple months ago talking about awesome liminal horror. person. I yeah. we're slowly collecting being. We're slowly collecting the goblins. <laughs> we, got, we got we got you at goblin mixtape we got goblin uh-huh. archives we had eric from goblin's corner for our uh Tarascmus anniversary game fantastic so yeah we're, we're slowly collecting goblins uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which, is, which is fun because we have a kobold for our logo Yay, gobble, gobble. <laughs> um, and now that I have it far enough along, I can say that here within the next month, we're also going to have a solo game called Forever Home that so will exciting. also be available yeah. on our itch store. That's awesome. I am. Uh, I am. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see uh, it. Pay, all patrons get all of our games for free. 
everyone else, it is going to be on the Ish Store. This will probably also be a $3 game. So just if you want to help support the show financially. And finally, we have a Discord. You can find the link to our Discord in our show notes. And we would love for you to come over and chat with us. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We were so happy you joined us. And again, we are so very sorry about the Thorn Familiar. <laughs> um, that said, you can find our other podcasts wherever you find your podcasts. We're on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Just search under Common Taste. You'll be very easy to find us. As Ian said, we are actually getting ready to promote and push out a lot of stuff. So we'll have a lot more to offer. But as always, if you find us, please give us a rate and review. This helps increase our footprint so we're more visible. And it lets us know what kind of content you enjoy listening to. Stay safe, everyone. And we will see you again in two weeks time. Happy gaming. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Under Common Taste. Our theme song is Massacre Anne, written and performed by Mary Kroll and used with permission. You can find Mary online at marycroll.bandcamp.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash drmarycroll. Our logo is by David Sutherland. You can find more of David's work on deviantart.com slash davidsutherland or on instagram.com slash willx underscore 73. We'll be back in two weeks, so stay safe and we'll see you then.